get out on our shoulder. To understand the psyche of, say, Olympians who are making us proud on the international front, that's what Hakim is here to do. He's also here to speak about his journey, so we'll chat about that on the other side in just a bit. Come back with us. It's all part of our hashtag Tokyo Takeover here on Radio 1. Music, great conversation, and a whole lot of K. Welcome to Bangalore's personal ray of sunshine. You're locked into Good Morning Bangalore with K. 94.3 One World, your station. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hakimuddin Habibullah joins me on the show. He's been an ex-Olympian and a rock star in his own right. This is Good Morning Bangalore with K. Now, Hakim, being a person who, you know, specializes in middle distance freestyle events, I want to dial it back a little bit. What what had that that water bug bite you? Like, what was the what was the moment that started off the journey for you? Could you tell us that story? For me, my journey began with my, you know, my parents literally introducing me to the water because one of my classmates uh, in Sapphires had passed away due to drowning. So one of my classmates, I think I was in the nursery or probably in the LKG when the accident happened. So my parents really thought that if I was introduced to the water, I would be safe. And that was the very basic background. And I started, you know, just splashing around at a hotel pool. It, it used to be called Hotel Harsha, you know, close to uh, Indian Express Circle. So it was a beautiful space. I would just go and splash around and it was that you know, I think about a year or two of just free play that made me really love the water and, and learn a few basic skills more by accident, you know, before I was formally introduced to it. But because I was enjoying, because I was allowed to just play, that set a good foundation for me to then enjoy even when I went into the next set of uh, skills, you know. So then when I started yeah. building my form- formal skills in uh, swimming, I had a good feel for the water and, I- and then the journey became very different and I was able to, to cover some good ground at yeah. a very early age. I was looking at some, some stuff and uh, I mean, you challenged four other swimmers um, in the heat one that happened. So that was, I think Uzbekistan's two-time. Um, I'm the, the names. <laughs> I'm, I'm also horrible at the pronunciation, so I'm not even going to try. I know for a fact, and I can say that because I'm from the same school, Joseph's encourages swimming and sport in general, like no other school I've seen, I'll be honest. And I'm a proud Josephite. I'm a very, very proud Josephite. So what were you like in uh, in school? Were you the naughty type? Were you the guy bunking classes? Like, oh, I have to go for this match. I have to go for this. I have to go for practice. What kind of guy were you? <laughs> I was, I was actually, you know, so in, in my, at my time, I was probably the first individual sport athlete that was doing things at a completely different level. So yes, you know, Joseph is a phenomenal, again, I feel really proud to be a Josephite as well. You know, they really created an amazingly supportive environment for me to pursue what I was good, what I was really developing into at that point. So the school played a tremendous role. And the fact that they had a pool made it even better because... Many schools (laughs) actually had that. It is a luxury, you know, especially in those days. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And so and so it did really create a platform for me to showcase my skills. So I remember, you know, when I started off, uh, Joseph was then um, started at fourth standard. So I remember I was this kid who was who just entered school. And I remember beating, uh, you know, the 10th standard hero of uh, swimming at that point. So it became like this massive. So I, 
I became known in the school very early because of this. You know, I, 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 so I just found an old edition of uh, the old of the school annual book. Yeah. You know, which had my photo and. I was called water baby for the first time in that and that is a funny thing that stuck after school in the school really um, did give an additional platform for the skill like I said to be showcased and then the school of course was phenomenal in providing me a lot of leeway it's what was I the naughty type no I wasn't you know I think I used to be too tired I was too tired to uh, you know be not up to any trick we're chatting a little bit more about his journey Hakeem is with me on the show this morning he's an ex-Olympian and I'm so thrilled to have him on the show let's do more conversation in just a bit there are people who complain about blues and there are people who listen to Good Morning Bangalore with K. Let's go. 94.3 One World, your station. Ex-Olympian Hakimuddin Habibullah joins me on the show this morning. I'm really thrilled to speak with him. And of course, we're breaking down the psyche almost of what it is like to go into the Olympics. And we're also speaking about his personal journey quite a bit on the show. This is Good Morning Bangalore with K. that you know so while I mentioned about you know one of the reasons that my parents put me in swimming was because of a drowning incident that happened another you know uh, angle to it was according to my parents I was a very hyperactive naughty kid oh it was so and, it was to quell all of that <laughs> that was you know so, parents and, and always so, have these ulterior motives <laughs> and so swimming you know and, uh, you know became this became this fantastic thing I mean more accident not that my parents had, my parents had no background in swimming or sport but it was it was just by accident that, you know, when they introduced me to the water, they found me coming back home really hungry. So they didn't have to chase me around home to eat. And uh, and uh, I slept well. I didn't have to again uh, chase me to go to sleep. So so I think uh, it worked well for them. It's, it's a different <laughs> advice that I nowadays give many parents, you know, many young parents. Put your kids into the water and yeah, you will have, you you tire them make out. your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, growing up and of course, uh, I think sport teaches, teaches kids so much, right? You've gone on to also inspire, a, a, you know, another generation of sportsmen and sportswomen in the country. How important do you feel is the whole you know, inculcating that spirit of sportsmanship in kids. Why Why do you, I know you focus on kids in a lot of ways and the things that you've done post-Olympics. What's, what's your thoughts on, on the kids and the future of sport in this country? So, I think fundamentally we need to understand that yeah, there are two types of uh, engagements with sport. There is a fundamental engagement which is uh, sport for life. You know, sport for health, fitness, leisure, recreation, just active, healthy living, which is very, very critical and important for us as a community, as a society, and for the, uh, for us as a country. And I think that that is something that needs a tremendous amount of attention. Often what we've ended up doing is we've always focused on the top end and the more visible end of competitive sport. And that honestly is just for a very small subset. So during my time, I realized that we had this approach to sport where you played sport either to win medals or you didn't play sport at all. And that's an important change that I would like to make. I would like to just encourage kids to be get out, be active, be healthy, and also changing that very key phrase. Um, you know, often we still find ourselves trying to play sport to be fit, but you know, we got to flip it because you got to be fit to play sport. Well said, yeah, absolutely. You know, so that basic and you know, fitness levels and pulling that up is something that I'm uh, really keen 
on um, you know encouraging everyone to pay attention to. our last leg of conversation with him comes up on the other side make sure you tune in right here at Radio 1 my name is K looking forward to partying on the weekend is so yesterday when you have a party on the airwaves every morning every morning you're with K uh. 94.3 One world your station. I am so thrilled to tell you that we have an ex-Olympian on the show this morning to break down the human side about being a sports person and representing the country on an international front. Hakimuddin Habibullah joins me on the show this morning. Our last leg of conversation is coming up in just a while. This is Good Morning Bangalore with K. being a person who who specifically you know been born and brought up in bangalore to school a little bit because it's been in the back of my mind but i haven't asked you yet which house were you in in josephs david's no way are you serious i didn't know we had that in common i was captain of david's also this is a fun fact um oh wow okay cool okay that's that's good to know because the minute you were going to say something else i'm like okay let's just stop this listening to me Yeah yeah so I I I used to be um I used to contribute quite a few points to the house due to the swimming competitions and that's how again what are your thoughts as we go into this how do you think the indian contingent looks and uh if you had to give a message to them what would that be so i think these olympics have probably been um one of the craziest lead ups so i um have often tried to imagine putting myself in the shoes of the indian athletes or even i mean the indian athletes let's stick to that you know so the indian athletes and it's and and it's just been a massive roller coaster the only thing that i i couldn't uh, because i could relate to this quite a bit though when i was leading up to my own olympic journey i remember that um you know there were many uncertainties right from the fact that whether would there be a swim team that would go to whether i would go to you know and literally many things hanging by the thread till a month before the games so by that i can really understand the anxiety the um, you know that the uncertainty brings to the yeah. athlete of today and uh, and my message to the athletes uh, would be that just you know and i think most of them so so let me also focus on the fact that today uh, indian sport and indian athletes have tremendous amount of international exposure and support not yeah, and train and compete but also the kind of professionals yeah. that they've been able to attract to india to no also I, if i look at it in the time that you you were training and things like that if you just look at simple academies right across india forget internationally for a second um you you didn't have that kind of privilege um now there are hazar you know academies and you have sports nutritionists you have sports psychologists you have uh, everything and anything that you need honestly so uh, you know like you said yes different times but also very very different circumstances as well you know i wouldn't i don't want to say it's easier i'm just want to say there's a lot more access now exactly so even i would agree to that that today um, you know the challenges has shifted so i would always say that many of the challenges as you know exist it just depends on um, you know at which uh part of the curve or which at what scale you may be dealing with it but but in those challenges i feel like today like you said the access to support is there there is an access to international know-how and information so today the indian team is going probably better prepared than any time before so uh they know what to deal with in despite the uncertainties they've you know they've been 
today with the kind of international access to, in, to information, to results. You know, everyone is is well aware of where they are in the, you know, in terms of their competition. And I believe that uh, India is going in strong. So while the whole lead up and the may not have been perfect or as good as one would have liked it, but uh, the way the pandemic has shaken the box, you really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know. And these games uh, India on and, top, and then you'll be like, you know, we should have COVID nineteen more often. <laughs> so I, w- I, w- I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that we'll necessarily be on top, but can we, you know, can we do significantly better than the past? I do believe that you know there are certain sports we've been tremendously close to dominating, but. Uh, you know, and I feel like this environment may have given some of them the edge. So I do see um, a few of the sports where we are strong at to really be able to leverage. There have been other sports that have really taken a beating. A few other sports and a few other athletes that this, this particular pandemic has not been kind to them. So, But overall, my outlook for the Indian team is positive. I think they're going to, you know, really make a very strong presence at the Games. It's something that they may not already know, but but they will have to take it a moment at a time. And a day at a time. That's it. There is absolutely nothing else that anybody can do in these situations. So, so it's just keeping it, things focused to that moment and making the best of that moment and that opportunity that one may get. One in ten people say K is not a ladies' man. That one person is my mom. All right then, let's get back to the ladies. Oh my God! I mean, show. It's Good Morning Bangalore with K. One world, your station. You're listening to Good Morning Bangalore. Good Morning Bangalore on 94.3 Radio 1. Like you said, uh, put away your autograph book for a while and, uh, you know, soak it all in, like you said, like you did in the, you know, in Well, I, I, I'll tell you what, I mean, I've seen the Indian athletes involved tremendously over the last few Olympics. Yeah, so. now it's a selfie. It's no longer an autograph book. <laughs> <laughs> That's changed. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's beginning to change, right? And and, and I tell you, this, this particular part. So while it's the it's the autograph to the selfie, but I've I've seen this change, and something that I'm really passionate to to also further see change is where you know we typically would land up being very proud, standing beside another achiever and taking a selfie. And now I see uh, the change beginning to happen where. A, the, the Indian athletes are not overawed and they're not trying to get selfies any longer. And then the next level is where athletes of other countries start taking selfies with Indian athletes. Now, now that's what for me is uh, that level I believe we have the potential to go to. Yeah, so it's a great way to look at it. It's an awesome way to look so, at it. So, so, so you know, it's 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 a transition, and uh, I believe that uh, it'll be great to see many. You know, many more of that happening where athletes of other countries take selfies with Indian athletes for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Hakim, I never asked you who your inspiration was. Um, who has been an idol for you over the years? Someone you really look up to with a lot of respect. So, okay. I mean, growing up, um, I never had an idol. I never had an idol. I mean, and, and somehow in 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 retrospect. I believe that that has really also helped me realize that nobody's perfect. You know, nobody is, nobody is, uh, 
got everything. So yes, while I've looked up to many athletes in terms of you know appreciating their performances, uh, but I've never idolized. I've never had posters of any athletes in on, in my room. I've never really gone, uh, you know, yeah, I've, I've never gone overboard uh, trying to idolize anybody. I guess I grew up quite early for my age, and I. I looked at myself in the mirror and said, hey, how can I be better every day? Yeah, I hope most sports people do that because, you know, um, imagine if you uh, you look in the mirror, like you said, every day and say that I want to be better than the guy I saw in the mirror yesterday. You know, I think we go far away. Uh, Nisha was telling me the story about how her idol was uh, Leander Pace. And uh, the first time she met him, because I think he, uh, when in your year, he was leading the contingent, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And, he, carried uh, the, he carried the flag in. Correct. So the minute she got out of the bus, apparently, he was standing right there. And he's like, hi, how are you? And all that. And she just flipped. <laughs> that was a very cute story. Yeah, like I said, you know, we've, I mean, the first few days, you're just overawed at the, at the Olympic Village because you are either living with legends of Indian sport and you're in the in the environment of legends from the from sport around the world and it is extremely um, you know it's mind-blowing so you, you it's, while it's Leander um, and Mahesh Bhupati who were like really setting very high standards around that time uh, to um, you know just uh, and, and, and I share the same um, um, house with them to you know going to the dining room and and, and sitting across Agassi or you know um, uh, many of the legends of uh, sport you know whether it was the NBA stars or the, or the runners everyone's there you know, everyone's just a, a simple common athlete in that space whatever their achievements otherwise have been and I told you that was what for me was uh, special yeah to, something to that you'll remember very specifically yeah right yeah so um i i want to know what centers you as a swimmer um you know specifically when when you were at the olympics in sydney and even after that as as a swimmer like everybody's got their own kinks right so nisha was telling me how for her uh it was heavy metal music (laughs) for some reason right she's listened to some metal before that um were you a music buff what was the ritual you'd kind of do what what kind of music do you like so I was uh, I kind of grew out of music, you know, quite early. And that's um, for me. I realized that again, it's it's weird. Okay, I mean, I like I said, I, at times I feel I grew up a little too early. Um, you know, for myself, I I kind of got into books. I I used to listen to a little bit of music. I had my cranky Walkman that really needed. Uh, you know, uh, I I didn't Those really are the graduate best. from Discman. You know, I had a Walkman. Uh, and had a few basic songs and I think with my song selections I'm still stuck in the you know in the 90s let's be honest that's not such a bad thing not such a bad thing at all oh it's not it's not I still enjoy and it's funny like I often realize that even the kids today still like you know those uh, you know that music of of that time so um, you know I I, so I feel like I've really you know I, I enjoyed it at that stage but I at some point I grew into books I started reading a lot um, I was also, uh, for me, my grounding was my academics. So I did my engineering. I was in my middle of my engineering when I, or I was in my sixth semester of engineering when I went to the Olympics. So 
So my education was my grounding. For me, it was a bag full of engineering books that when I traveled for competitions and, uh, you know, picking that up and flipping it and reading and preparing for my next exam was very humbling. <laughs> so, <laughs> it so, brought you back down from that cloud you were on. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, that way I had a fantastic balance in life with my academics. So uh, because I led a dual life care, when I, I, I was very clear at some point that, you know, when I was in college, I had to be the best student and uh, with no baggage of what I was doing in sport. And when I went to the pool, I had to be the best swimmer with no baggage of what was happening in college. So um, it did make my journey a bit more challenging, but, um, but keep, keeping those two lives separate really helped me stay grounded and uh, help me balance things. And uh, I really then did not really need too many of other stimulators. I, I, could, I could just find my rhythm, find my you know, peace. And uh, towards the end, indeed up to the Olympics, I think the last couple of years were very crucial in me being able to train smarter than uh, just training harder. And that's right. because of my, my engineering that I was balancing around the same time uh, that I, I had to really find that um, window of opportunities and grab those. And lastly, what I want to ask you is what would be your little message specifically to parents out there um, who are bringing up kids in sport? Uh, what would you like to say to them? And um, any tidbits, any pieces of advice you'd like to you know, send their way? For me, every kid needs to just play and be introduced to sport such that they enjoy it for life and that they have the right fundamental skills. These are the two paramount things that every parent should focus on. The kid should enjoy it and the kid should be getting the right fundamental skills. I'm not the biggest fan of pushing the kids towards competition. I believe that should, will, should and will happen naturally as we create a conducive environment for them to, to take up the path. But I feel too many talented children give up sport far too early for um, the wrong reasons. Either they're not, uh, and, you know, they're not enjoying the sport or, it's they too competitive. Not been, or they've not been provided the right fundamental skills, which okay. then forces okay. them to plateau very early. The third point, if I can, if I would want to just put on the table for the parents is, you know, um, save the kid from specializing in a certain sport until they are 12 or 13 and, and they've been given a few options and the child chooses to play the sport themselves. So, so when they should get into competitive sport would be, you know, an important point of attention. Because again, I find too many parents pushing kids far too early into competitive sport. And by the time they are 12, 13, 14, I find kids thinking they've achieved too much and giving up sport really early. Right. Or, or, or beginning to hate it. You know? yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, these are, and these are points that um, I would want to safeguard kids from. Right. Awesome. Um, 
Hakimuddin Habibullah has been sweet enough to join us through this entire bit of conversation. Imagine, Hakim, this has been an amazing bit of conversation to hear your story, and thank you so much for talking at the time. I deeply appreciate it, and I, I, I can't wait for everybody to get to hear the story of yours. And um, it, it comes from an extra special place as a Josephite. So, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Kay. I really enjoyed sharing some parts of my journey, and I look forward to chatting with you. Get to know him off air too. Have you followed him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter yet? At Off Air with K. Slide into his DMs now. 94.3 Radio One. One World, your station.